Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Georgie, Director of Learning Development for the Classroom Partnership, and I'm joined today by John Ball, who is CEO and founder of the Dog, Duck and Cat Trust. John has been the manager of a young person's drug and alcohol service since 2008, and he's also a British Association of Counselling and Psychotherapy registered counsellor with experience of delivering targeted work and services to young people and a qualified protective behaviours trainer. So there's lots to be answered here, John. The Dog, Duck and Cat Trust aim to provide stories and resources from schools and parents to help support their children to learn about staying safe in a way that is fun and age appropriate and in their day-to-day lives in the local community. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to John. Welcome, John. Great to have you here. Thanks, Georgia. That's all right. It's a lovely sunny day here and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more about um, the Dog, Duck and Cat Trust. So a bit of a mouthful. Um, Let me start by asking, what is the concept and where does it come from? Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, Dog, Duck and Cat Trust, we shorten it to DDC um, because Dog, Duck and Cat, I mean, as much as I love those characters, as much as I love what we do, it in half a mouthful. So my apologies for that. But essentially, this all comes from (laughs) Um, a piece of work that I did back in the mid 2000s. It was about 2006, 2007 when all this started. And as you mentioned, my day job is running a young person's drug and alcohol service. And we provide educational materials for schools to use and have done now since about the year 2000, 2001. I had a call from a primary school asking me if we had any resources or materials available for their year three class. So I kind of said, no, 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 we haven't. is this something that you're looking at kind of wanting to do and deliver with the children and they said yes so I I put the phone down after agreeing to go and meet with them I had a a couple of kittens myself because I thought my god how on earth am I going to work with these children because they're so young did what I normally do which is go in and work with the classroom and the the teacher and we did a a little kind of a a Q&A to start with you know do you know the names of any drugs everybody do you know the name of, of anything that we might be able to you know, sort of drink that might not be designed for. And immediately the children were able to talk about alcohol, various different brands. They were able to talk about cigarettes. They were able to talk about medicine, things like Sudafed, Calpol, um, asthma inhalers. Some of them um, that had um, wider issues were on various different kind of prescribed medication. So there was a real knowledge base there with the children. And because of that, we essentially put together then the first cohort of dog, duck and cat stories. And we launched them back in 2008. And I thought that was it. Done, dusted. Thanks very much. There's year one, year one to four. Pretty much sorted now. Absolutely brilliant. Thanks very much. There we go. <clears throat> I then became a member of something called CDOP, the Child Death Overview Panel in 2013-14. And it became apparent very quickly that there was still more preventative work the dog, duck and cat agenda could meet. So that's when we actually instigated the second cohort of resources. And these were based much more around the idea of accident prevention. So we looked at things like cleaning product safety, choking hazards, car seats, safer sleeping, 
um, dog safety, sun and water safety, because me being a follically challenged individual, I think that's the most polite way of saying I've got no hair. Um, essentially, I didn't realise that suntan cream went out of date um, because I'm an idiot, obviously. So I slathered all this stuff on my head, went home with a big red head, um, was questioned by my partner as to why on earth I didn't put suntan cream on. I, I procrastinated and protested to her that I absolutely had done, but I didn't realise that suntan cream went out of date. So again, using the national issues that we were being faced with, the local issues we were being faced with, but also having those individual conversations with people, using personal experiences such as my own to try and make sure that people were able to kind of keep themselves as safe as possible and make sure that they can keep their children safe too. Then we became a charity. Um, weirdest, weirdest way that we became a charity. We were All the dog, duck and cat work was part of the local authority work that I do as part of my day job. The chief exec at the time said he loved the resources, but he couldn't see them all over the borough. Why not? I said, plain and simply, we can't get the funding for them. It's just not there. Um, he said, what can we do about this? And I laughingly said, we should make this into a charity and then I could apply for further funding. And well, nearly four years on, here we are. Now, what that's also done though is, Georgie, is that's instigated a whole raft of new materials all around the idea of emotional wellbeing. And we've also linked up with West Midlands Police um, with a particular kind of link with their counterterrorism unit. We've linked up with the West Midlands Violence Reduction Unit, the VIU, and we've also linked in with wider partners, uh, looking at things like bereavement, emotional health and wellbeing, looking at equality, looking at race, looking at diversity, looking at those issues that often people will say, well, little children, whatever little children mean, they don't need to know about things like that. They don't know anything. Well, certainly from the colleagues that we speak to in schools, in the local community, and by talking to the children directly, they are seeing these issues. They are recognising that these are issues. They might not understand them properly. So actually what's happening sometimes is, is that they're seeing these issues, but then they're kind of coming to their own conclusions about what they need to do, because we as adults aren't confident enough or, you know, using a slightly sort of out there word, which is brave enough. Because again, it can be really difficult to sit down with a smaller child and actually start to have this kind of discussion with them. So again, that's what we've been working on now for the last few years. And the response has been, thankfully, very good. One thing that we always do, Georgie, is, is that we never release a resource without extensively piloting it first. Because as I say, I, I can sit in my, I'm in my house at the moment because of the way that we're working at the moment due to COVID. And I could sit in this room now thinking that I know everything about everything. I absolutely 100% don't. So what we like to do is, is that we like to take an idea. We like to work that idea up by involving key partners, ex-subject matter experts where needed. When it comes time to actually put those resources out, we then send them out to schools. We ask them to pilot them for us and we ask them to be brutally honest with us about whether they think these resources are working. Because realistically, I've got feelings, I've got emotions we all have. But I try and leave all those at the door. The main thing is about the dog, duck and cat resources is that they're outcome driven and that they meet their outcomes realistically, because otherwise, plainly and simply, what's the blooming point in doing anything? So, as I say, that's really what we're looking to achieve. We're looking to try and get those outcomes delivered and support those professionals and individuals working with children, including parents and carers. 
it's br- it's brilliant, John, because I can really feel your passion as you're you're talking about it and and uh, and actually getting those stories and that support out. And what what's great is that actually the resources are suitable for using in sort of the key stage one and key stage two schools, but also is something that parents can turn to if they don't feel that they can have those difficult conversations. So. Um, uh, you know, I, I wholeheartedly applaud you for uh, stepping up and, and, and producing these and some really difficult subjects as well. Um, so thinking about that, what, what kind of moments have really shaped the stories that we, we're reading about today? Have you got sort of any examples that you can share with us? I mean, you touched on them previously, but if there's anything else that you can share with us? Yeah, it's the thing that we aim to do. And the thing that we've been able to do now for at least the length of time that we've been a charity, which is to say is now nearly four years, is really talk to the audience, talk to the schools, talk to the adults that are working with children and ask them what they feel the gaps are. Because in that way, then we can design resources that are specific and aimed at issues that are actually affecting our children today. The one thing that I often find is, is that stuff often is released and you sort of look at it and you think this is absolutely brilliant, but we really could have done with this six months ago because actually now that issue has, has kind of dissipated and something else has just jumped into the way. Good example of this would be um, we recently did a piece of work, one of our newest pieces of work, and it's called What Happened to Me? And it's about our little duck character and he is given a games console for his birthday. Um, all of our characters, they are animals, they're anthropomorphised animals. That was an insult that was thrown at me many years ago, which I absolutely love that term of an anthropomorphised animal. And the idea was, is that Duck was kind of given this game system and mom, his mom, she's very caring, she very much looks after him. She's a good mom. And she's allowing Duck to do his online gaming in the lounge with her. And she thinks he's going to be safe because he's in the same room. But because he's got his headset on, Actually, he's receiving messages from another character, Zebra, and actually those messages are not healthy. They're not productive. Zebra's trying to essentially groom, exploit, and essentially re-educate Duck. He's trying to radicalise him, essentially. Where that came from was, is that when I was actually looking to put this resource together, this was a a conversation that we had with um, partners over at West Midlands Police. And they were making me aware that online gaming was a new area of of potential grooming for young people and that this wasn't really being picked up and certainly not by adults at the moment because it was so new he quoted me an example of a child um who was primary age child who had actually been radicalized online in his front room via gaming whilst in the company of parents So again, we use that as the kind of story, but I wrote the first draft of the story, sent it over to them, proud as punch. I thought, right, I've nailed this. This is just what we need. And very politely, he came back to me and went, now, mate, you've totally missed the mark. I'm like, oh, oh, sorry about that. What what, what have I done? He said, well, what you're doing is you're saying that Zebra is using coercive techniques. He's trying to manipulate Duck into doing things. It doesn't happen like that, mate. He said Zebra would be his best pal and wouldn't try and coerce at all. He would just gently nudge him in this direction. He would try and get him on side by using Duck's own words. So again, it's much more subtle. No problem at all. So we rewrote the story. That was then fit for purpose. Then we developed the resources around it. But again, I think that's the best, most recent example that I can give you of a piece of intelligence that we received about an issue that was affecting a young person Definitely one young person, but then from investigations 
other stories then started coming in about concerns that partners were having. So we then developed this resource. We made sure that that resource was actually fit for purpose, piloted it, of course, and then set out that resource to be used by anyone that's involved with the dog duck and cat trust, basically. So that, that would be the most recent example that I can give you, Georgie, apart from the brand new project that we've got, which we are literally, literally about to launch. But again, I know that we're going to have a conversation about that at some point in the very near future. So I'll, I'll leave on that point for now. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very excited to hear about the new project. So we'll, we'll chat about that shortly. But I, I think it's quite shocking that we're in a situation in, in today's sort of world that we're having to educate the kids earlier and earlier. Um, so it, I think how you message it and how you actually get these stories across is actually really commendable and, and it's positioned in um, in their kind of language and, and uh, sort of characters that they can certainly relate to. And um, I notice the stories are quite highly visible. So um, there's lots of sort of illustrations and it's very colourful. Um, can you describe the main characters and where they come from? Or, or are they based on anyone in particular, like yourself, for example? <laughs> um, so if if we talk about dog, duck and cat, well, dog, and again, I can't help, and I'm so sorry, Georgia, I will almost <laughs> definitely drop into panto mode now because I'm used to doing this usually when I'm talking to children. So my apologies if I do. <laughs> um, but dog, quite a sensible character, realistically, quite responsible, likes to think of himself as a little bit maybe more grown up than he is. Sometimes that can get him into a little bit of bother because sometimes his overconfidence actually stops him from thinking, stops him from listening to what's going on. And that can you know, sometimes just pose a few sort of problems for him. But then I've obviously got our cat character, Cat's a girl, and she's a very strong, empowered female, to say the least. Uh, dog isn't dog's based on a number of sensible people that I know. Sorry. So there's no one person in particular. Cat's based on um, a lot of the strong women that I've had in my life over the years. Realistically, I was I was raised by my mum. Dad was around. Absolutely. But mum was the lady that raised me. So I've always had very strong female characters in my life. And Cat's a strong female character. Um, she does get a little bit jealous sometimes, and sometimes that can be a little bit of her undoing. But essentially, she's she's a good soul, and she wants to do well for the world. And and we'll see over the, the evolution of the stories as well. But actually, catch jealousy and lack of confidence is kind of addressed in the stories. And actually, she turns out into a much more well-rounded character, especially as we're now starting to talk about these newer resources. Um, again, not based on any one person, but certainly based on a number of strong females that I've known. And then we've got Duck, and Duck, I suppose, is the most me character out of all of them. Um, he wears a waist. I don't wear a waistcoat. That's one thing. And I certainly wear trousers and Duck doesn't. But he is essentially the character that I always kind of go to when if it's going to go wrong with somebody, it's probably going to go wrong for poor old Duck. Because it just feels as though that's kind of a bit like my life. It's sometimes for the want of for all the best will in the world. You just get yourself into bother and you really don't know how you've managed to do it. You sort of sit there thinking, blooming hell, I've managed to get myself into this pickle. And that's Duck. He just kind of tends to find himself genuinely, totally by accident in a lot of cases, just in sort of dodgier situations. And I think Duck as well, he's, he's very honest. He, he's very honest about the way he feels and very honest about the help and support that he needs. And the, the, the reason that we've kind of done that with Duck is, is because A, I as me as a counsellor, know the value of talking, know the value of managing to empower our young people to actually speak up if they're worried or concerned about something because it's empowering for them and it's a way that we can deal with their issues much, 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 much sooner if we can deal with them when the child is just starting any, you know, on a journey of any concern that they may have. 
I think also it absolutely it, it's about trying to create some kind of symbiosis between the children and the characters. It's trying to put those characters into the same sorts of situations that the children will find themselves in on a daily basis. It's about trying to use the same kind of language. It's about same kind of interactions that they might have. Little fallouts, not not doing everything because the you know sunshine and roses world that sometimes is often painted in children's resources. That that's not the case every day. And I think sometimes we have to actually just be real and honest and say, well, look, you know, not everything is going to be absolutely wonderful. And that's OK, because that's the world that we're living in. But if we can talk with each other and we can try and support each other and if we can be empathic and non-judgmental, then we can achieve an awful lot together. And actually, there is real benefit from working with our peers and with the adults that trust us, love us. So those teachers, those professionals, those parents, carers and guardians. And we can we can we can do stuff together. So actually, let's try and create those links. Let's get those conversations had. And let's get our children really kind of talking to us, because as you've mentioned, these resources, they're designed to try and realistically help people to have those more contentious conversations. I myself. You know, any any of my godchildren need to be having the having a chat about something contentious. I mean, I'm panicking heart rate through the roof and I'm, I'm a qualified person at doing this stuff, allegedly. But when you care about the person, all of that professional stuff, it, it almost vanishes out your mind because all you know is, is that you're worried and that you're concerned and that you love this person and you desperately want them to be safe. So again, that's really what we want to achieve here. We want to be able to empower our children to be safe, we want to empower our children to have those conversations, but we want to empower these adults to feel confident in doing that because it's blooming scary having contentious or difficult, potentially contentious and difficult conversations with children of five to nine years of age or even lower than five in, in certain cases with some of the resources. Yeah, no, it's, it is, it's very difficult not to sort of be emotion driven when you're having those conversations. So it almost... Um, sort of autonomizes um you know you can talk about the characters rather than you as an individual um which sort of makes it more third party as well and i think that really helps with uh, getting the key messages across it's and i that know one step yeah. removed approach georgie that, that yeah. protected behaviors kind of you know sort of talks a lot about it's that idea about how can we help x so how can we help dog duck or cat right so now we know how we could help them what if what if we or somebody that we loved and cared about would we advise them the same? The advice and guidance is, is going to be the same, most likely. Yeah. So again, it's a way of learning without it being quite so intense on that that child at that point in time. Yeah, fabulous idea. Fabulous. And I know that um, DDC began with a focus sort of around alcohol and tobacco. You mentioned that and also the med medicines education. And you then moved on to sort of focuses around um potential other causes for children's harm and very much now it's issue based isn't it it's quite an issue Absolutely. based approach why, why did you choose that journey John because that's what our audience said they needed yeah plain yep. and simply I, I'll be absolutely honest with you Georgie and I, I don't if I should be as honest with you about this point but I'm going to be when somebody first turned around to me and said John can we start talking about more issue based working my initial response was Crikey, no, 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 that we want the children to be children and we want them to be young and I want them to be all lovely and innocent and not need this. And I mean, I knew 
that that wasn't the case. You know, in all reality, of course, with the work that I've done with young people now for the past 20 odd years, you know, you know that that's not the case. But it's scary. Yeah. It was a scary step into the world of issue based working. And that's the reason why we are so absolutely committed to making sure that we work with our partners, but also subject matter experts on this. As I say, I have a I have a decent enough base of knowledge, but I'm I'm no expert on everything. So again, for example, our, you know, when I mentioned to you about the um the duck and the online gaming, we work with West Midlands Police Counterterrorism Unit because they're the people that know about this subject. And then when working with them, we work with another group and another organisation which specialise in working around online living, which is an organisation with online behaviours based over in Wolverhampton. who are brilliant. And by all accounts, now we're also going to be doing some work for the Home Office, which again, I think says the kind of level that they're working at. Because what we want is, is that we want to make sure that our resources really are the best that they can possibly be. This isn't about you know, just creating something that looks pretty and lovely. We want to make sure our resources look great because if they don't, the audience that we're talking about, we're not going to be interested. We want them to be memorable. So again, we want to make sure that they look good. But the reality is, is that if they only look good and if they only look pretty and they've got no real depth and substance to them, people aren't going to use them. So as I say, what we want to do is make sure that these things are having the right impact to having those. It's, it's about, sorry, it's about having those conversations and ensuring that we feel confident to have those conversations because we've got the right kit and caboodle there to do it with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what kind of, how, roughly how many books and, and sort of resources do you have available now that, that um, can be accessed? I honestly can't believe it when I say this, but it's, it's over 20 books and yeah. resources now that we've got. And, and again, I we did a count recently and it was, just, honestly, I, I don't know where the time's gone, but <laughs> as I say, it's, it really is now just looking around the kind of ideas that we that we're being told about by our audience. And again, these things do come back around psychically as well, uh, cyclically, I should say. So again, at the moment, liquid tabs and the, the cleaning products that go into the, the wash and stuff like that aren't causing any major issues. But again, they may well do in the future. So that might not be a resource that, that's needed today. Mm -hmm. But what we will make sure is, is that if that issue does come back round again that that resource is given that little bit of a refresh and it's there and it's ready for people to use straight away so we've got a good base we have a lot of stuff in our kind of repertoire but as i say for the moment i would say that the issue based working that we're involved in is very much kind of up to speed and very much up to the minute and whereabouts um so obviously people listening to here uh, to this uh, want to access a bit more information whereabouts would would we direct them now i know we're going to host some on um, thirsty scholars or put sort of a, an area for people to to focus on but also directly if they want to come to you john where whereabouts would they need to go well our website dogduckandcat.co.uk spelt as it says so the and is an and not an ampersand um you can we've got all our contact details on there you can email me direct at info at dogduckandcat.co.uk and we can have a conversation that's kind of what i do for a living and i much prefer doing that than sending emails to people if i'm being brutally honest with you because it's just a nicer way of working mm -hmm. the only thing that we ask is is that we are a charity um, and yep. because of that Every penny that we make is played back into the generation of these resources. So anyone that wants to work with us, we ask for a donation yeah. and we ask for a £200 donation. More if you can provide, that's, that'd be absolutely wonderful. But we think that £200 is fairly fair for over 20 resources, less than £10 for a resource. I think he's, he's I, I would say, fairly financially kind of, you know, economical. Um, 
and that's it realistically and that's that's three year subscription so what you would do is is that that 200 pounds would get you one year's access to all of our resources and materials everything that we generate over the course of that year as well in terms of new resources and materials you'd have access to and then essentially at the end of that year if you felt as though this was something that you felt worthwhile we would look to ask for another donation from you realistically so fairly quick fairly simple fairly easy and everything's online sorry george i always forget to mention that but my trustees <laughs> always kill me for this it's but a sales pitch bit <laughs> everything i know sorry i'm not very good at the sales pitch part but everything is online so the idea is is that all of the books that we've got are ebooks so they can be used on screen they're called flipping books that's not me trying to be smart or clever that's the program that we use but they're essentially page turnable books have little sound effects and again you can use your interactive um, smart board the children can turn the pages live on the board often when i'm delivering in classes i get myself a, a young assistant a um a, one of the children that can help me turn the pages and do all the bits and bobs that i need so that's quite a nice thing to do and again everything that you need so the story the lesson plans and all of the resources are all included and what we've also done is is that we've aligned all of the lesson plans to the new um and this is going to totally go out of my mind now exactly what I'm trying to say but it's the new curriculum basically Georgie what's the name of it that was early called? career framework yeah so everything's now basically been aligned so that if Ofsted come calling then realistically you're going to have everything that you need to be able to say with the new statutory curriculum requirements this is what we meet under all those different subject headings basically amazing amazing so well, I, I think a big push for for uh, that as well so uh, we'll, we'll definitely be sharing um, that out after this podcast as well for anyone that's listening or driving along in the car and uh, and not got a pen and paper with you we want you to stay safe as well so just thinking about um sort of the actual activities and and uh, I know pictures tell a thousand words um, I had a chance to look at um, the story of Weasel and his friends and and the topic was what is bullying and it clearly shows um, sadly bullying in action with a picture of cat being laughed at. I know you use lots of um, memorable slogans. So I love the slogan, was it no way, not today, not any day. Um, can you share any examples of how this works in practice, John? Yeah, it's I think we when working with anybody, I mean, again, if, if we think about some of the phrases that come out of America that that Donald Trump uses if we think about some of the Brexit phrases they're all short snappy phrases and the idea is is that they just by using a small amount of words it can then elicit that kind of memory recall so again when we put in the resources together what we often do is is that we pilot these little phrases with the children and the one that's the most successful or the one that's the most popular is the one that wins that gets into the resource essentially and I think it's about playing with words it's about the idea of articulation. It's about the idea about it's fun to talk. It's fun to come out with phrases. It's fun to learn new things. And it's fun to kind of expand our minds that little bit with new ideas. But also being aware of the fact that the age range of the children that we're working with, they are still learning. They're still learning on a, on a vast kind of scale. They've got very little experiential knowledge because they are only young. So again, if we can teach them something and then align that teaching to some kind of phrase it's that memory recall it's that ability to be able to remember the oh yeah no way not today not anyway that means I don't put away bullying go away I'm not going to put up with this kind of behavior it's a nice way of doing it without it being something that feels as though we need to be giving children almost like mantras to remember so again it's just essentially using the sorts of things that children do those yeah. again catchphrases 
I was reading right. an article in the in the paper yesterday about Dick and Dom in the Bungalow, which was a TV show a few years ago, which children would have loved. And there was a game they used to play called bogeys, which they used to shout the word bogeys <laughs> everywhere. And again, if I speak to children now who are more like young adults and say bogeys, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember it's that memory recall. It's yeah. that idea. I remember saying about so that's the reason why we try and employ these sorts of tactics as well. Again, it, it's just essentially trying to make things as memorable as possible and as easy as possible to recall those key bits of information should and when they be needed, basically. Yeah, really, really important. So these subjects, I think you would agree, are quite hard to talk about with a child. And I'm I'm sure some adults also sadly struggle to appreciate how important it is that we learn not to tolerate negative behaviours. How would you encourage the children to speak up and ask a trusted adult to help them? The, the line that we always use, and again, I, I always say to the professionals, that are working with their children or any parents, any family members. If we can ensure that the child knows that you're there and that you're interested in everything that they've got to say, no matter how many times they tell you the same thing about the same subject, again, be open and, and, and ready for their kind of information, their conversations, their disclosures. The way that I always phrase it to the children is, is that if you're ever worried or scared or concerned or just thinking about something and you're not quite sure the way that you might be thinking or feeling, then speak to teacher, mom, dad, nan, granddad, auntie, uncle, brother, sister, somebody. Have the conversation, say I'm, I'm a bit and then try and talk to them, try and be open with them for the for the person receiving that information. Just allow them to speak allow them to kind of guide the conversation see without trying to lead them in any way shape or form what it is they're worried or concerned about is this something that we need to do something about or is this a concern or worry that we know may well pass as they get that little bit older so really what they need is just some reassurance again for me it's always been about if a child starts to speak treating what they say seriously and acting upon it, doing something with it, even if that doing something is, OK, then I'm really, really pleased that you spoke to me today, Georgie. But I think from our conversation, we're sorted now. Would you agree? Yeah, I think I'd agree. Great. Done. We're dealt with. We're fine. But making sure that the child that's disclosed something to you or spoken to you feels as though that they've been heard, they've been taken seriously and what they say is important to you. And again, sometimes I'm going to be honest, sometimes the stuff that a child says isn't that important, isn't that terrible, but it is to them. And at six or seven years of age, I can't remember this totally clearly. Maybe I was totally afraid of the dark. That was an irrational fear. It's something that shouldn't be there. But at six or seven, we're not going to start and turn around and say to people, you're stupid and you're ridiculous for being scared of the dark. You're going to sit there and say, OK, then let's talk about this and let's try and work out what we can do about it. So essentially, it's looking at that concept of being available, treating what you've um, heard seriously and then acting upon it so that that child that you're working with feels reassured. Yeah, I, um, I actually feel quite emotional talking about that. So uh, so thank you for uh, sharing those examples, John. I think that's um, yeah, really important that every child feels that they've got an ear and, and they're listened to and, and valued. 
So let's think about how we're going to move dog, duck and cat forward. And uh, what's the next challenge for them and their friends and what adventures are they going to be on? Um, and uh, what things are you going to be focusing on? So we've got two projects that we've got currently funded, one of which is now ready to be launched and we will be launching, well, imminently, basically. And it's called our Equality, Responsibility and Friendship Project. And it's based all around the idea of equality. And this is in response to the Ofsted concerns that were raised in the last academic year around sexual violence in schools, um, especially around sexual violence that was affecting some of our pupils in secondary schools and in colleges. And certainly their desire and their wish to ensure that children much younger were actually having conversations about these subjects. So that's been a huge piece of work for the past six months. It's our biggest project ever. We actually have two stories um, that are going to be driving that project forward. There's four actual lessons and then there's two presentation lessons that we're advising or asking, encouraging schools to do because what we want is, is that if the children have learned this fantastic new information about equality, responsibility and friendship, let's get them educating their peers. Let's get them talking to the younger children. Let's get them talking to the older children if certainly we need to. And also, let's invite the parents in. Let's invite the family members in. Let's invite the community in and get them speaking as well. And then, absolutely fantastically, just, just before Christmas, um, I put a bid in um, to the big lottery towards for all. And I'm very pleased to say that we've got some funding to do some work around being a responsible digital citizen. Amazing. Whilst we were piloting the equality project um, throughout the West Midlands, um, we had school colleagues come back to us and say, absolutely great that we're doing this stuff on equality, but what about online living? And I'm kind of there, well, yeah, we've got the, we've got the grooming story and there's loads of stuff out there at the moment about online safety. No, 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 John, sorry, we're, we're not being clear. We need to talk about how children conduct themselves online. They're not having their own social media accounts, but often parents will set up social media accounts that these children become part of. And it's a school group. There'll be WhatsApp groups that are set up, which they access. Parents maintain that they have auspice over all of these accounts. But then we're seeing arguments in the playground. We're seeing confrontations between parents. They're not liking what each of them said to each other. We really need some help with this, mate. So what we've done is, is that we've managed to get some funding. Uh, we've just started putting the work together. Um, just as a very sneak preview for you, Georgie, there's a brand new story being developed called The Soggy Moggy, and I won't oh. say anything more than that. But yeah, that, that's the direction that we're going in with this story. And again, we're going to be linking it with online behaviours for this because, well, what they don't know about online living, online safety and online conduct isn't worth knowing. Um, so again, we want to really make sure that we're, we're making sure that we've got the real kind of expertise behind this that we need, because, again, there's, there's no tone of voice. Mm -hmm. on, a, on a WhatsApp group, there's no connotations. Again, putting a laughing face emoji. Are you laughing with me or you're laughing at me? Yeah. So again, it, it's about kind of invest trying to investigate this always with that notion, though, of how, how do we want to be treated? How do we want those that we love to be treated? And if that's what we want for ourselves and for those that we love, should we not be mirroring that and delivering that ourselves? to people around us. If, if we expect that, if that's our expectation, then why aren't we being good citizens? Why aren't we being empathic, non-judgmental individuals? Why aren't we being kind, basically? So again, really looking to try and encourage that now. Excellent. And I'm I'm really looking forward. I think next week we're going to chat 
more in detail around the um, equality, responsibility and friendship projects. I know you've partnered with a number of key organisations and and the drivers around that. And we really are keen to get behind that and support the uh, get that out and get the word out. Thank you so much, John, for sharing with us today. I think we could sit and chat all day. Um, and I'm looking forward to catching up again about the next project. So uh, look forward to catching up with you next week. You can pick up the Afterbell podcast, which are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational, safeguarding, key themes. And uh, hopefully you get time to listen to this either on your daily commute or on your treadmill or while you're cooking the dinner or focusing for the day. Um, uh, But I'll leave you with uh, John's message, um, which seems quite relevant at the moment. Make sure that you have a great week, everybody, and make sure that you're kind. Take care.